0: Sorry. Thank you. (laughs) So I'll say that again. Welcome. Welcome. We gather here in God's presence to come and to worship. I want to say welcome to all of us who've gathered in person and also those who are online uh, participating. Uh, God has invited us by his spirit to be together. A couple notes that as we begin a few announcements. One is that we've opened up some of the pews that have been roped off and so especially towards the front and so I encourage you to um, come forward if you're looking for a spot to sit. Um, We're thankful that more and more people are able to join us in person on Sundays. Uh, a couple other things to notion. if you are visiting today, we're so glad that you've joined us, and it's good to, uh, to be with you. I'm thankful for a chance to gather in God's presence. And, and for some of you who are coming back, it's, just, it's good to see you and to be, to be back in person. Um, a couple other things to mention that during this time, we have a, we're having a shortened service, about 45 minutes, instead of our, our full liturgy that we've been doing in the past. And so during this time, we're not having a traditional passing of the plates for offering. And so if you'd like to give to the work of the church, there's offering plates in the back of the the sanctuary, or you can give online through the uh, church website. Um, Also, today there is no uh, nursery, uh, but there is uh, a preschool class and children's worship. And starting uh, in June, starting next Sunday, we'll have nursery, preschool, and children's worship uh, every Sunday morning. So just to let you know that. Uh, also, so we're gonna dismiss the kids earlier. Uh, so if you are going to one of the classes, if you're going to preschool class or children's worship, you can make your way now to Miss Betsy. She's in the back uh, by the, the door there going down to the church basement. Uh, the preschool and children's worship classes will go through the whole service, and so they'll finish the same time we do up here. One other note that if you are uh, visiting today, we're glad you're here. As I, as I said, on the, on the welcome table on the way in, there's an information pad. If you'd like to share your information with the church to receive the weekly email or other information, uh, please make sure you, you do that uh, before you leave today. Well, God's called us to come and to worship. And let's, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God.
1: Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 116, and I am happy to say that we can sing together, so please stand and let's sing.
2: Has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The Lord has
1: delivered my soul from-
2: God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord has
1: delivered my soul.
2: Almighty God, you have called us out of sin and wandering, out of our searching into your covenant family to be your people and to worship you. And we come and worship this morning as we always do through the self-giving and the gracious invitation of your Son. And Father, for many of us, it may be hard to come this morning and not be distracted by questions or uncertainties, longings that hover around us. So God, remind us again that our home, that our peace, that our sense of security, that our flourishing is not tied up in all the enticements in the world around us. Give us faith to believe that you are the calmer of the seas, that the water that you give, it quenches the deeper longings of our soul. May your perfect love, your love that is lavish, that's relentless, may it meet us as we come this morning. May it saturate our stress, our anxiety, our fear. May it meet us in all the ways that we seize control and seek only our own interest. May it find us when we feel alone and checked out. As we worship, Lord, uh, as, as we hear your word, remind us that we are your children. Lead us into safe pastures, away from the dangers of sin and death, away from the accusers, the deceivers voice, to find the rest and the freedom we need in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Father, all this we pray in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession. Uh, It's a time for us to to confess our sin, to confess the ways that we need rescue. And we do so uh, not only just to confess our sin, but to hear and receive God's mercy. So we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet, personal confession. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Father, we long for wisdom, but prefer that it be our own. We often spend our time tending to our outward appearances and reputations, while you, O Lord, are concerned with our inward thoughts and desires. Show us how to listen to your wisdom and bring an end to the self-righteousness that ignores you. for quiet personal confession. Gracious God, we are thankful that you came to us in our weakness and our greatest need of rescue. While we were still sinners, you descended into the depths of of our sin and death to be in our place and to raise us to new life. We give thanks with joy in the name of Christ, amen. Having confessed our sin, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance that come from Psalm 118. Let's let's say these words together. Out of my distress, I called the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. You may be seated.
3: The Old Testament lesson today is from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. The gospel lesson is from Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will repay you And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you.
0: It's good to hear God's word and uh, after the last couple Sundays we we were looking at Ascension Sunday and then Pentecost and now we're going to return to our sermon series on the New Testament letter of James uh, titled Resurrection Wisdom. And so we're going to look at James 2 verse 14 through 26. Uh, It's printed here on your order of worship. You can follow along as I read or you can uh, just listen. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can that faith save them? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead." You see that faith was acting along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Well, this is God's word given for our good. And as we make our way through this passage, there's three questions or three sections I want us to to have. First, I just want to remember the context that we're in. Since it's been a few weeks, we've been looking at this passage, uh, at James. So what is the context? The second question is, you know, what is James saying to us? And the third and final question is, is what is it saying to you today? What's it saying to you? So let's start with the context. The, The letter of James, maybe some of you remember, starts by James affirming that we will face trials of various kinds in this life. And he says that in the face of these trials and difficulties, we should ask God for wisdom. Yesterday, my son Owen bought some Jolly Ranchers, a a large bag of Jolly Ranchers at the store. He was kind enough to give a few of them to his sisters. I think the favorite flavor was watermelon. But I mentioned that. You can picture my son handing out some Jolly Ranchers. It's something similar that James is doing. He says, pray for wisdom, and then the letter, in many ways, is him handing out to us resurrection wisdom. When I say that, I mean wisdom that's not of this world, but wisdom that comes from God, that represents the kingdom of God. You see, he's handing out, He's in this letter, he's already told us things like this. Practice patience. Be steadfast. Trusting that God, even God, God can even use difficulties to shape and grow us. He hands out another one. Be doers and not only hearers of the word going on, saying, avoid worthless religion, settling for a hollow appearance of piety. He goes on and hands out, saying that useful or true religion includes controlling your mouth, caring for the vulnerable among you, and living as a friend of God, not a friend of the world. James continues, handing out wisdom, saying to avoid partiality and favoritism, Especially, do not give the wealthy or connected better treatment or a better welcome than you do to the poor. When you judge, judge with God's values, not the criteria of the world. And if you can follow this image of handing out these things that are precious, it brings us to the second question I want to ask. What is James saying to us? What is James saying? For he's continuing to hand out wisdom And in many ways, this gets to the heartbeat of his letter. For in our passage I just read, he says to you and me, a verbal confession of faith by itself is useless. A verbal confession of faith by itself is useless. Or to say it positively, true saving faith reveals itself in deeds. Such faith is seen and known by one's actions. Our passage has a pattern to it where a question is followed by a negative example then a question is followed by a positive example. You see, first James asks, what is the use? What is the use? What good is a faith that is not expressed? As one translation says, do you think you'll get anywhere if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it. And after raising these questions, James gives an example. Imagine you come upon a brother or sister dressed in rags and very hungry. And you say, be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. God bless you and go in peace. And walk off without providing a coat or any clothes or a cup of soup, what good is that? What good is that? As I mentioned earlier, James identified true religion, true faith, with visiting orphans and widows in their distress. And here he provides an example of one who has religious language, God bless you, or peace be with you, But the language is serving almost as a camouflage for a failure to act in faith. To act in faith to serve a neighbor or a brother and sister in Christ. It's worth pausing and remembering that scripture holds dear this connection between faith and caring for those who are in need. In Matthew 25, in one description of of a living faith, Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. In 1 John 3, we hear if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet closes his heart, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love not with words or talk, but in deeds and in truth. And in Galatians 5, Paul writes, what matters? What really matters? In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith expressing itself through love. Now, when I read the passage, you might have heard parts of it and said, yeah, that doesn't sound quite right, this idea of works and justification. And sometimes readers can set James and the Apostle Paul at odds with each other. What I want to suggest as we think about what James is saying is that Paul and James are in agreement that saving faith reveals itself makes itself known by its actions. But they're addressing this concern in in different ways. Paul contrasts righteousness as a gift received by faith. He contrasts that with trying to become righteous on our own, by keeping the works of the law. Righteousness, being right with God, can only be a gift from God. But James has a different concern James' contrast is between a faith that is mere talk, just words, and a faith that expresses itself in your actions, a living faith that reveals itself. And to highlight this contrast between mere religious talk and a faith that is moving in you, James says even the demons can make a confession. God is one. But that does not mean that they have faith. Christian faith is usually thought to have three parts, includes knowledge, a verbal confession, but it also must include trust to entrust oneself to God and his grace. The demons know that God exists, but they do not have a living faith, for they do not repent or trust God. This leads to James' second question, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And the positive examples that he gives of faith as trust, faith expressed in action. In Genesis, God in his grace declares Abraham, your family will be great and numerous and through your family all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, although advanced in years and without a child, believes God. And in God's grace against all human possibility, God gives Abraham and Sarah a child, Isaac. But then Abraham trusts, faces a stern test. He is commanded to sacrifice Isaac. To sacrifice the very one through whom the great promise was to be fulfilled. We read Abraham trusted God's promise, and his faith is expressed in his action. He's willing to offer his son, but God stops him. And Paul writes, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. James describes it this way, by faith Abraham was called a friend of God. By faith Abraham rests in God's covenant faithfulness and loyalty. This is true as Rahab, as well. Rahab, a Jericho prostitute, appears an unlikely example of faith outside of ethnic Israel, part of a pagan city. Yet she's welcomed into God's family. She reveals her faith by sheltering and showing hospitality to Israeli spies when they were coming into Jericho. And when asked why she does this, she says that she's come to believe that Israel's God is the only true God of heaven in earth. Rahab trust leads to action, leads to hospitality, even when it means risk for her or breaking existing social lines. There's a tree in front of my house. I've shared an illustration about a tree in my house before, but there's a, there's a new tree that was planted a couple years ago and I was worried that this tree might have died. You know, if you guys know, sometimes getting a tree planted in front of your house with the city takes a while. So I was like, oh no, it's died. (laughs) But good news is that just in the last week, a few buds began to come out, a few small leaves began to come out. And I mention this because what James is inviting us to see is to picture such a tree. And when fruit appears on the tree, that fruit is not the source of life. But rather, the fruit is an expression, a reality that the tree is alive. You see, the tree is alive, therefore it brings forth fruit. If a faith is alive, therefore it brings forth a deed or a work. He's not saying that the deeds themselves are the source of life, or the deeds are the, the source of one's connection to God. But rather, these actions of trust are expressions that faith is at work in us. And it is now revealed, it's given forth fruit in our choices or how we treat one another or our neighbors. So the question I want us to conclude with is, how is this passage speaking to you today? There's a lot of things we could probably talk about. It's a challenging passage for us to think about how we consider our resources and generosity, how we view others how we trust God, especially in challenging situations. But I want to bring us back to remember the opening of the letter that tells us that we will face trials of various kinds. Trials or suffering or difficulties can isolate us. And I have this experience, and maybe you do as well, but it can convince us or somehow tell us that our acceptance is based on our appearance, that trials can somehow make us conclude that for us to be acceptable to God or acceptable to be others, that we need to hold things together such that we know what to say or how to present ourselves. And we may begin to equate faith or God's acceptance with our good appearance. but I want us to be reminded and remind myself that the call to faith is expressing, this call to faith that is real, that expresses itself in deeds, is a call to trust the God who sees us completely. It's a call to trust in the God who cares to the very depth of our being. To a faith convinced that life doesn't come from us, life doesn't come because I know how to present the right representation, But life comes from God and God alone. In the opening of the Bible, early on, Adam and Eve, they eat the forbidden fruit. They seek life apart from God. And what happens next? What happens as Adam and Eve are fallen? God does not wait for Adam or Eve to start looking for him. Do you hear that? Adam doesn't, and God doesn't start. Doesn't wait. God doesn't wait for Adam to start looking for him. Rather, it is God who comes looking. For the first words spoken to fallen humanity is, Where are you? Where are you? This reminds us that what Abraham and Rahab were trusting, what Abraham and Rahab were trusting was not that they would always know what to do, that they would always understand the next step, or they can handle things the exact right way or find their own way, what Abraham and Rahab were trusting was God, and trusting that God can overcome human limitations to fulfill his promises, that God is the one who welcomes the outsiders into his family, and that God is the one who sees and values those who are often dismissed or forgotten in this world. Abraham, one who had no children, who was past age, now becomes the father of blessing. Rahab, a pagan prostitute, is welcomed into God's family and becomes part of the family line of Jesus himself. Life is found in the word of life, not in ourselves. God seeks and welcomes the lost, the fallen, the sinner, the hungry if we seek a faith that is growing, a faith that is alive, let us not come up with our own plans or our own actions, but let us turn again to God, the one who, alone who gives words of life, who in Christ makes the promise that we are not alone, not left in our sin and misery, but brought home as members of his covenant family. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. We thank you for your good word, and we pray, Lord, that by your spirit you continue to work in us by it. Shape us and direct us. Let us not be people who settle just for saying the right words, believing the right doctrines, but let us be men and women who act out our faith, representing Christ and our family, in our church, in our neighborhood. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Please stand with me and let's sing together. Sweet simplicity
2: This table, it brings us to that vulnerable, that vulnerable place uh, when our works meet a holy God. And the hard reality, whether we commit it or not, is, is that all of our works have been tainted, they've been thwarted by our sin. And so our, all of our lives, whether uh, they, they have been full of brokenness and rebellion, or if they have been, seemed moral and, and right, all of us invariably meet the one who has set this table for us and the beautiful and the simple reality is that this table it points us to is that it is only the work of Christ his faithfulness and gracious work to enter into death for our sake to be the sinless and atoning sacrifice for us only his work can be can only in that can we be made new and, and uh, alive again. To live a true and a spirit-filled life as children of a kind and a gracious God. So the invitation is this morning is if, if you have put your faith in Christ, is to come and to eat, to be nourished in your faith, made full with his grace, to do good and full work in this world. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this table. And we pray that you would set it apart from a common to a sacred and holy one. That you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and wine. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that Jesus was betrayed and after giving thanks to Jesus, he took the bread. He broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Well, this morning, we're going to do a little bit different, as you already heard, that we're going to come forward and receive both of the, the, the elements. Um, If you would come first, uh, the side rows would come forward first. Chad and I will be in the center aisles uh, passing out the elements. And then followed uh, secondly by the the middle row here will come. Um, If you you, uh, have already have the elements, you are welcome to come forward and we'll give you a blessing. Or if you're not taking the elements and you would like to receive a blessing, please do come forward. We'll offer that as well. All right. Uh, check. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let's eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. Father, thank you for this this bread and this wine. Thank you for the life that it that, that it represents, that it gives to us through your grace and your love towards us in, in Jesus Christ. We give thanks in his name. Amen. Well, having come forward, let's stand together and respond to the table with our responsive prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, give us steadfast hope in you, deliver us and keep us by your Holy Spirit. Grant us faithful hearts and minds as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
0: God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace.